everything I learned about, you know, improv and stand-up at night and, and sketch, um, I was like, these are threads that would make teams better, would make storytelling better. All these things are better served because basically improv is an operating system for how to adjust real time. It's an operating system. And what if companies work this way? What if marketing worked this way? What if leaders work this way? Which is basically Ted Lasso. Jason Sudeikis is an improviser. And he basically, it's a love letter to improv. That's what the Richmond way is. And I know this because he and I studied at some of the same places at improv schools. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the Higher Ed Storytelling University podcast here on the B Podcast Network. This is a podcast dedicated to helping higher ed marketers tell better stories, create better content, and enroll more students. My name is John Azoni. I'm the founder at Unveiled. We are a video production company working specifically with college Marcom teams to help them scale up their student and alumni success stories through a subscription approach to video making. If you'd like more information about that, you can go to unveiled.tv. That's U-N-V-E-I-L-D. And if you want to chat directly with me, if you have questions about our subscriptions, you want to send me comments, whatever, uh, you can email me at john at unveiled.tv. John is J-O-H-N. Um, my guest today is Kathy Klotz Guest. Kathy is a comedian, a storyteller, an improv actor. I think I'm not quite sure if you say improv actor. And then there's the question of is it she's a female, so is it improv actress? I heard that I heard that you we now just globally say actor for male or female. So if I'm wrong on that, I'm sorry if I've already offended you 30 seconds into this episode. Uh, but anyway, Kathy is an improv actor, a keynote speaker, and author of the wonderful book that I highly recommend called Stop Boring Me. Uh, the subtitle is How to Create Kick-Ass Marketing Content products and ideas through the power of improv. And in this episode, we talk about the many lessons that Kathy has learned from her improv career uh, that she brings to the world of business storytelling and how if we look at what makes for successful comedy and improv, if we view our marketing content through that lens, we can have a much better grasp on how to create content that is engaging and human and uh, emotionally resonates with your audience. Now, also in this episode are two points of failure. Number one, uh, I recorded a batch of podcast episodes, probably four or five, uh, before I realized that the audio was recording through my crappy webcam instead of my nice podcasting mic. Um, so if you've noticed a significant dip in audio quality in the last several episodes, uh, I apologize for that, and unfortunately that is going to continue in this episode. Uh, I use Riverside for recording podcasts, and I've been running into some glitches with them lately, um, so we'll just say Riverside's the problem, because obviously I'm not the problem. Could not possibly be my fault. Number two, there was a power outage in the middle of this episode, so you're going to notice a very uh, awkward, abrupt transition. Um, and, you know, these things happen. It's all part of keeping it human, which, by the way, is an overarching theme of our conversation in this episode. So without further ado, and hopefully without further failure, here is my conversation with Kathy Klotz, guest. Kathy, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This is fun. I love to talk to, to new people. So this is great. So you are a marketer, a storyteller, um, but you're also accomplished in the improv space. So tell me, tell me your history in improv, 
how that's morphed into this connection with storytelling. Sure. I don't even see myself as a marketer. I held marketing titles in tech. So I, I ran global comms teams and marketing teams for a lot of big tech companies and some startups in Silicon Valley for about 16, 17 years. And my job was, you know, marketing rolled into me, communi corporate communications rolled into me. It was my job to help with media relations, so to train a lot of our executives on how to talk to the press. Oh my God, media relations and all that stuff. That's, that's really what it was. And I think so much of what I did in communication was storytelling. And I always felt that improv is storytelling. And I've been doing improv and stand-up comedy for 25 years. Uh, I still tour. I still go on um, stand-up tours. I'm, I went to Second City, studied sketch, sketch storytelling models, wrote a lot of sketches. Uh, I still perform and teach improv. So I've been doing that for a long time. And what I discovered was along the way that so much of what I learned about great communication did not come from business. It came from the stage. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. I think when he, it's about tapping into emotions and emotional resonance and moving people through a storyline. And I felt like the stage offers so much. So I, today, my company really combines, you know, comedy and improv lessons with business so that we can all up our game. We can all up our game. And, and really, you know, I think comedy is storytelling. Improv is storytelling. And if you want to look for a great model of storytelling, you don't have to look further than people who are doing comedy. And it doesn't mean you have to be a comedian, John. And I know you know that, but yeah. a lot of people are like, oh my God, comedy. No, 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 you don't have to be. But here's the thing, we can learn, we can take the things that work and bring them into the business space and make, make it better. Absolutely. I have an earlier podcast episode on that very topic uh, where I talk about uh, the difference between um, comedic an anecdotes in like a TikTok video versus a what a what a true stand up comedian does, which is tell a story. And yeah. that kind of the difference between, you know, just a normal marketing video and something that's deeper in, in wow. a story. Who are some of your favorite uh, comedians? All over the map. All over the map, you know, God Lover, Carol Burnett, Phyllis Diller, Mobs Mabley, um, some pioneering women. I got to tell you, um, uh, you know, I love Wanda Sykes. I love, you know, Hannah Gadsby. I love Fortune Feimster. I love, you know, there's so many. And there's, you know, Dave Chappelle's brilliant in so many ways um, in what he does. I think Bill Burr is great and, and does and brilliant in so many ways. So there's so many amazing comedic choices out there. And the point is, is there's a style for everybody. Yeah. But you'll notice that what comedy really is at the heart of it, and I've always believed it. Um, in fact, I'm I'm doing a winery. I'm I'm out there um, doing comedy tomorrow night and Friday night. It is storytelling, and people come because they're hungry to laugh. They're hungry to connect. They're hungry for it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so tell me about so keeping it human is your yeah. website. That's your brand. So tell me uh, kind of how that came about. What is it? What do you do? So Keeping a Human really is about, again, combining improv and comedy and all the storytelling brilliance and juiciness of the stage with business. So it's really about helping leaders and their teams be better communicators, better storytellers. But it doesn't stop there because once you learn how to be a better communicator and a better storyteller, it changes you. This is not about just skills. It changes the way you show up. It changes your team. It changes the way that people see you. It changes trust. It, it's, it's transformational. And I think instead of being afraid of comedy, oh my God, comedy doesn't belong in business. No, it does. 
It's just that, you know, people are so busy thinking, oh, I have to be a comedian. I have to be funny. No, what you have to be is emotionally available. You have to show up. You have to risk something. You have to tell a great story. And all those skills are things that I bring into business. And, uh, you know, I, I, as somebody who went through Second City, who learned sketch, who learned storytelling models, I think we underestimate comedians. We think comedians, well, they can't be serious. And yet the best storytelling models we have today come from the comedy stage. They come from the improv stage. They come from the way that we build things on a stage. So in fact, the reality is, is if you want to be better at that, look at not just comedians who are stand-up comedians, they're brilliant, but look at collaborative storytelling models. And improv is brilliant for that because you're building a story with other people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, it started just downpouring <laughs> and I'm going to close this window. Oh no, where are you at? We're in Detroit. We have a, a tornado a tornado warning today, oddly. So if if I have to end this podcast early, it's for a legitimate weather reason. There is a tornado coming. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And I get it because California has been hit by so many storms, one after the other. So I'm with you. I'm All right. You. Well, hope it doesn't. I've never actually seen a tornado. So maybe maybe you'll yeah. witness my 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 neighbor's. Uh, so it was at this point that my neighbor's tree uprooted itself uh, due to the really high winds that were coming through, just ripping through uh, my neighborhood for this tornado warning. And the tree fell on the power line and all the power went out So for the whole neighborhood. So um, here we are. A couple months later, we were able to get Kathy back on the podcast. So fast forward a couple months with me. And here we are picking up where we left off with Kathy. For people listening, we're tuning back in here a couple months ago, I had a month or two ago that uh, we had there was a literal tornado warning and I thought, I hope I make it through this podcast because like right when we started talking, the wind just like started ripping and like I'm watching out my window, my neighbor's trash cans just blowing across the, the street. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden the power goes out and it turned out my neighbor, um, a few houses down, they had a whole huge pine tree that just didn't even like crack and tip over. It uprooted itself completely and landed on the power line. That's, that's dangerous. That's really scary. Well, we had our own storms, you know, a few months before you did, we had storms out here in California. If you, if you remember the news so much so that our whole back fence and our backyard just blew off. <laughs> it just blew off. We were like, oh, okay then. Hi neighbors. And like, <laughs> uh, and you know, it happens and it just, you know, this was a particularly crazy year. So um, I, I'm glad you're safe. I'm glad everybody is safe. There you go. Yeah, we're good. Um, okay. So we left off. So how did you go from some, imp from improv to, and we'll get to this in a minute. You write a yep. really great book called stop boring me mm -hmm. about uh, storytelling and, and marketing yep. and, and, and improv. Yep. So how did you get, how, how did that journey come about? So the journey was, I was parallel pathing it. There's, there's really nothing, um, magical to it is it's, so I was working in tech, I'm still here out in Silicon Valley and, you know, my, my job during the day was tech, but I was doing comedy at night and I've been doing comedy for 25 years. But the way that I got my comedy experience was, you know, um, in the carpool lane, <laughs> yeah, very congested California carpool lane, you know, 
uh, that goes like, you know, 40 miles an hour because it's over, over capacity, but, but yeah. basically working, you know, in tech during the, during the day. And, um, everything I learned about, you know, improv and standup at night and, and sketch, um, I was like, these are threads that would make teams better, would make storytelling better. All these things are better served because basically improv is an operating system for how to adjust real time. It's an operating system. And what if companies work this way? What if marketing worked this way? What if leaders work this way? Um, which is basically Ted Lasso. Jason Sudeikis is an improviser. And he basically, it's a love letter to improv. That's what the Richmond way is. Mm -hmm. And I know this because he and I studied at some of the same places at <laughs> improv school. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I love Ted Lasso. That's <laughs> it's such a good show it's such a unique show it's such so well written and so like i love i love the um the uh you know a good story is is kind of like it's funny and there's there's conflict in there but there's like a redeeming quality about it yes. which i think is just so so great it's just yep. so well written yeah and, and it really i mean to pull from that that's a perfect example of how we can collaborate and and have each other's backs and that's not only how teams work that's how marketing could work to to not only listen to story ideas that live everywhere in the company not just marketing but also customers and why can't we be more improvisational and yes and driven and collaborative and that's really what i think the the lessons of what stopped boring me was that it's possible and the only reason we're trapped in that thinking is cuz we're not thinking about this as a as a way to build together yeah so tell me about the book tell what's uh What's the premise? Uh, what's, what's, what's it about? It's really about, you know, here, here's the thing. Um, I think we think boring is something that kind of is inevitable because we're in certain industries. Like, you know, some people in really boring industries are like, ah, oh, there's nothing I can do. You know, it's, it's regulated. It's a regulated, it's insurance. It's, you know, healthcare. It's a regulated industry. Yeah. Okay. That's true. That doesn't mean you have to be boring and boring is a mindset. And I think we can over, there is no boring. It doesn't have to be boring marketing because your industry is boring. And the reality is, is if we let go of some of these old ideas, antiquated ideas about how we create, we open up a whole new world. That was really the premise. And what if we created more boldly and tried more things and experimented more and collaborated more? And who says marketing has to create all the content? Why are we not letting our, our you know, best advocates in the company and outside the company help create that for us and with us? So it's a new way of thinking, much more in line with, um, you know, before the Richmond way was, you know, the rich Richmond way. <laughs> it's like, what can we learn from, from really improv thinking to be able to explode ideas and to really rethink that? Yeah, yeah. that's great. And for people listening, uh, the book's called stop boring me. It's a very good book. I read it, um, on my family vacation. We went to outer banks a couple months ago. Um, and, uh, was very impressed. Uh, the, the, I've, I've read a lot of storytelling books and I love the ones that are very practical. Yeah. Um, and I think you, 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 you get some theory in there, but, but it's really about, it's just like, how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we apply this in a business setting and a leadership setting, that kind of thing? So I, I that's why I really appreciated about oh, it. Oh, thank you. No, I appreciate that. I, it, I wanted this book to be something you could hands-on 
do it, not just theory, because I think too much storytelling is theory and no disrespect to the hero's journey, love some Joseph Campbell, but I think the, the, for a lot of people, it's a very highfalutin, a little convoluted to apply. Um, and I also think it's too long a model for what a lot of rapid fire marketing needs today. It's just one model. So I think one of the things I wanted to, to offer was an alternate way of creating storytelling together just, you know, we can, we can, we can veer off the, the hero's journey. Not everything has to be the hero's journey. <laughs> right. Uh, for, for people who don't know what the hero's journey is, uh, Kathy, give, give us your take on, on what that is. Well, the hero's journey is, you know, uh, Joseph Campbell's sort of famous, um, you know, uh, the, the inciting incident, the hero is called to adventure and answers the call and faces, you know, all kinds of obstacles. And really it's an inner battle of, of their changed, but there's a mentor and a guide and all these, all these things along the way. It's a wonderful model, but it is a convoluted model. Um, it is hard for people to get their arms around. And when you're talking about social media and short attention spans, Often, you know, it's got 12 steps. If you look at the whole model, um, ain't nobody got time for that in marketing. And I think serial storytelling can be that. But when you're talking about short videos and short bursts of like capturing attention, you've got to act quickly. And I think it's a wonderful model, but it's only the beginning. It's only the beginning. It doesn't even answer the whole story. So it's just one model out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that modern social media um, content marketing has really started to redefine uh, what storytelling yeah. means. And, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm reading um, a book by um, the, the creators of the moth uh, story hour of, through NPR. And they, they unpack a lot of the stories that, that get, that shared there and how they, mm -hmm. how they met for the storytellers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting. And it, what goes on through my mind is like, that's that's a format where that hero's journey makes a lot of sense and a lot of the stuff that they're applying to these stories you can do that in a in a 20 minute narrative um but when it when we're talking about a minute long video sometimes yeah. it's like it doesn't get there it's just you can't yeah you really yeah. there's there's so, there's so much variety that that yeah may might not be like traditional storytelling but yeah. it's still effective in, in in the same way that a story can be it still can transport you uh you know and and make you feel something um but we have to tackle it a little bit differently and i think and that's why i like the that's why i like the storytelling books that are applied to business because i think they're more realistic in how we can yeah. use that kind of content in um in a, today's marketing world and leadership yeah well i think it's I think it's an old model and it's a great model, but honestly, it doesn't fit most marketing. And I would argue it doesn't. And I know there there's a lot of people that would argue it does, but I, I disagree. I think it is not a collaborative model. It is a, you know, honestly, most people use it as the company as the hero rather than the customer as the hero. So it's, a, it's misapplied. So I would argue that uh, it needs an update. Not only that, but it's, it's very embedded in Silicon Valley where I live and I came out of tech and a lot of CEOs saw themselves as the hero. And I was like, no, no, that's the problem is that we never make the shift to the customer as the hero. And that's where the model goes awry. And that's where a collaborative story model that comes from improv works so much better because you are literally building these stories with your customers. 
and bringing them into the story. And that is a much better model. And that's really sort of the, a long-winded way of saying, stop boring me, really flips, I think, the storytelling models on its on their heads. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Quick break here to tell you about how you can scale up your student and alumni success stories without taking on a bunch of extra work to manage with our video storytelling subscriptions. Look, making even one video takes a lot of legwork. Uh, lots of steps to go through to hire a video vendor, coordinate, schedule, do all this tedious stuff that you hate doing. Uh, and then at the end of that, you get one video. But what if you could get a year's worth of storytelling content at your fingertips that you can use uh, throughout the year to highlight your various programs and all you had to do was find the stories to tell and hand them off to us. Well, um, that's uh, what you can do. Our aim is to take the friction out of telling great stories, whether you're a big school or a small liberal arts college, you can tell really compelling stories year round and fill your content calendar with video content. And we can get this done for you anywhere in the US because we, we're gonna batch shoot a year's worth of storytelling content, student alumni success stories, and then every month drip out to you one new student or alumni story along with an entire package of additional supportive video content that we've repurposed from that story. So you're gonna get the full length video, which is usually two to three minutes. Uh, you'll get a 30 second and a 15 second cut down uh, to use in various ways. And then you're gonna get eight topical videos that help you promote other things uh, about your school, different programs, scholarships, career development opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. And not only can you take uh, what we deliver and crop those videos you know, vertically or do whatever you want with them for social, for TikTok, for reels, uh, but you get to keep all the B-roll and interview footage that we shoot. And there's a wealth of additional content opportunities within that, and you don't have to go film anything. Um, so head over to pricing.unveiled.tv to download our pricing guide, which has everything in it that you need to know. Uh, and if you'd like to chat further, you can book a call with me on our website at unveiled.tv. That's U-N-V-E-I-L-D. And I'd be happy uh, to answer any questions that you may have. And now back to my conversation with Kathy Klotz guest. Um, so in your book, you talk about eight lessons of improvisations. And I wanted to, mm -hmm. I thought we could kind of touch on each of those and that yeah. can kind of make up the majority of this episode. Uh, yeah. So let's, so number one is take risks. So what, take risks, so yeah. just vamp on that. <laughs> vamp. Vogue. That's what vamping is. You know, I think take risks is really, I think, I think what happens with um, so many companies is we're so hung up on dashboard metrics and ROI and KPIs and, you know, YOIs and, you know, <laughs> And all these little metrics, it's like, ah, we're metric horny. We're metric horny. And I get it. And I came out of, you know, tech. But I think we missed the bigger point is we're so hung up on that, that we're afraid to deviate and take bigger risks. And and part of what we always have to be looking at in any part of, of the company, not just marketing, is how do we have small little experiments to see what could work? Sometimes the idea is that we go, I don't know if that'll work, could be worth exploring. And I think marketing has to constantly be experimenting. And we're, we're, we play it safe too much. I think way too much. Yeah. Yeah. I think when we make big investments in one campaign that's maybe ill-researched or uh, yeah. you, know, you haven't tested yeah. it yet, um, I think that's where, uh, you know, I've seen organizations uh, go wrong, especially smaller organizations that aren't doing the market research, yeah. um, but they 
their marketing team in their small marketing team uh, conference room bubble has come up with what they think is a good idea and they haven't experienced what um, is, is, is most commonly like you, the stuff that you think is a good idea a lot of times it's not in the stuff that it, it, in the stuff that um, you just think is like kind of a flippant, like, Oh, whatever. Like sometimes that's the stuff that takes off. And so it's like these little micro, that's why I like about content marketing is it's, it can be like such a good testing or proving ground yes. for these little micro um, messaging points. micro experiments. And also to be careful about the trap of research. I'll just say this. I think we get in this mindset of, Oh, well, the research says the research don't mean shit. <laughs> Research don't mean shit. Um, that's right. I'm a comedian, so I get to say these things. Uh, but, you know, I think we fall into this trap of, well, we researched it. Sometimes things are new to the world, right? I mean, the Palm Pilot was new to the world. People didn't have any way to compare what it was because the idea, the only other time it had been tried was Apple's Newton. The handwriting recognition, this is a long time ago. They didn't like it because it was new to the world, but it became a sensation and it took off. So sometimes we think, oh, well, they won't like something. They say they don't want it. But sometimes when it's an idea that's new to the world, they've never seen it. They have nothing to compare it to. Just because your research says it won't work does not mean that when an idea is released out there in small experiments, that some part of the population will go, that's innovative. But I didn't know it in advance until I see it in action. So let's be careful about well, the research says, because sometimes the research is based on preconceived notions of what we think people want. So be careful about that. Right, right. Yeah. Um, whenever someone says Palm Pilot, I think of being like 10 years old in church and my mom had a Palm Pilot and that's, yeah. uh, and I would, uh, I would like play, I don't know, whatever games there were. And then like yep. I would in the game and it would like start like making all these beat noises like, yep, yep. <laughs> shut it off really quick <laughs> and it took off it was so we can never truly know and that's just a cautionary tale of being don't be afraid to push the envelope because people can't not like something they've never seen before you ask them would you would, would you like this well, no they've never had anything to compare it to that doesn't mean that it wouldn't take off and then as we know palm pilot took off mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely um, okay, so number two is go for emotional truth I like this one so tell me how this this applies. Uh, so comedy is emotional truth. Tr the truth is, that's what comedy is. Um, comedy is, is, says the things that we all think, but we don't say. Like, I might say something like, you know, in comedy, it's like, um, um, you know, uh, my husband, he has a, he has a real alcohol problem. Um, um, when I drink, he becomes a totally different person. I just, I don't know why that happens. It, you know, there's a truth in there and we're laughing and I'm using a little example of misdirection, which is big in comedy. But the thing about, about comedy, which is storytelling, all comedy is storytelling, is that it's, it's a truth there. There's an emotional truth that we go, uh-huh, yep, yep. Um, we all recognize that if we drink, we become different people. But in this, in this instance, I'm flipping it. So I think if storytelling told more truth, like comedy does, we would have more emotionally resonant stories. So much of business storytelling is transactional um, and it's got no emotions. It's got no stakes. There's no stakes. I don't give a crap because the characters are like, you know, well, you know, um, Nancy and Bob over at, you know, whatever company, XYZ company, they had a need and we solved it. Yay. We saved the day. And you're like, who the hell are these people? And why do I even care? 
don't know. There's no humanity. So um, I think in B2B, we're, we're still we're still in this like, got to play it safe, sanitize it all. But there's just no emotional stakes if there's no hidden humanity. So tell me what 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 do Bob and Nancy need? And what happens if they don't get their need met? Are they going to get fired? Do they have to lay off people? And does it kill their soul because it's a family run company? Give me that emotional resonance. I promise you, it'll make your story so much better. That's the emotional truth. That's the emotional truth. Yeah, and I, I find in you know the uh, video work that I've done is that um, when when there's a battle between an informational video and a storytelling video, it's really hard to go down that real authentic route. I think I think the person, you yeah. know, producing the video or commissioning the video, whatever, has to understand like what is this thing? Is this yeah. are we telling a story? Then let's tell an actual story. If okay. this needs to be like a sales pitch let's not let's not try to push it in the story direction um i because i find that like yeah it's like okay we're spending too much time talking about what you know bob and nancy needed and what the stakes were we actually just wanted to tell them about our product you know well, um, yeah and there's a place for that and there's even a place for storytelling in a sales pitch but to your point short short like that's where you have to get to the point um doesn't mean you have to sacrifice story you just have to make the story much shorter. Um, but, it, but to your point, yeah, you just have to know what context you're in. Yeah. And I think that, um, what I love about comedy and especially in like, yeah. you know, the, the sort of TikTok era of mm -hmm. like this micro, this micro skits and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fun, right? It is fun. We realize, we realize how, I mean, at least for me, I realize how much alike I am like how other people, the things that I find that are frustrating about marriage or parenting or whatever are the same stuff that everyone else is frustrated about. Everybody. These are universal stories. And that's exactly the point, John. It's a universal. If you're annoyed with your spouse, everybody's annoyed with their spouse. If you're struggling because your kids were at home during COVID and driving you nuts, they call it virtual like learning because the kids learned virtually nothing. <laughs> And there was a lot of crying going on. Forget the kids. It was me. It was me. They were home for two years. And I think these are such universals. And that's exactly the point is that these things connect us. Why are we not talking about these common human feelings and experiences? That's what comedy does. Mm -hmm. and, and when, you know, when we're, when we're making ourselves the hero or the company, the hero, <laughs> people can't relate to that. People can't. Yeah relate to everything's great all the time and and, and also they don't care like there's nothing yeah. in it for them if you're awesome you know yeah. <laughs> um it's like yep. okay good for you next um but yep. like I, that's what i love about comedy and yeah uh, and stuff is like you get a sense for like okay we're the same this person gets me and and, yeah. and now i'm more emotionally connected to that exactly. person and if it's a brand then it's you know emotionally connected more connected to the brand absolutely Absolutely. But the brand has to be human. And that's one of the biggest things I think, you know, in all this stuff that we're talking about is that, you know, too many brands are like the company. I don't give a crap about the company. Show me the humans behind the company because I can't hug or high five a company, but I want to know that the people at the company are like me and get me and that they during COVID wanted to strangle their spouse, but they didn't do it because they were strong. <laughs> 
we were all driving each other crazy. Am I not? I mean, we all were, and that's such a human thing. And I want to know that that is what it is. And I think we're so afraid to go there, but that's exactly the place we need to go. And that's why comedy is and remains the best storytelling that I personally know. Yeah. Perfect. Love it. Um, number three is this idea of yes. And, and you've mentioned mm -hmm. the idea of co-creating yeah. something together. So yep. unpack that for us. So yes. And is the cornerstone of improv and you probably have listeners that are familiar because they've taken improv. There's so many other, um, parts of improv, like make your partner look good and all these other things, but the central tenant is yes. And, and what that means is it doesn't mean we never say no. It doesn't mean that at all. Some people get it wrong. They go, oh, well, you can never say no. And I'm like, no, you don't understand improv. And I know this, I've been doing this, this for two and a half decades. What it means is when we're creating on stage or together, so maybe we're in a brainstorming room. This is what that, that'll be our stage. And so in practical terms, it means, John, you and I are brainstorming. If all I do is go, yes, but, yes, but, or no, but, we never move forward because I'm shooting down all your ideas. And yes, but it's not a yes, it's a but. But what yes and does is that when we're building together and we want to move forward, me saying yes and, and then adding onto that idea gives that idea forward momentum. And we're building something together. So if you go, hey, you know, the next podcast, I want to like have it from a hot air balloon. And I'm all, ooh, yeah. And you know what else would be cool? Like, let's have balloons. Let's like have a clown, like, you know, juggling inside that, you know. Okay, we might come up with some silly ideas. That's not the point. Some of those ideas will be viable. But just because we said yes and, we keep things moving versus get getting trapped with no but and yes but, which shuts everybody down. And that's such an important concept because when we're live on a stage, when I, you know, am performing improv um, with my, my teammates, the only way the scene moves forward is when people yes and. You don't want to go to a, an improv show and see people go, yes, but that won't work. No, but you're like, what the hell? I could just stay home. <laughs> I can stay home and have my teenagers do this stuff to me. But the reason you go to a show is to see something happen. Well, it's the same in brainstorming and same in our teams. If we yes anded our each other's ideas, we would have forward momentum. And I can't tell you how important that principle is. Yeah. That's uh, one one of the best um, uh, pieces of marriage advice too that I've got. Like marriage communication, it's like you don't you don't say uh, you know I love you, but you say it's it's and it's you're you're great and. Also, here's something, here's something yeah. that we need to work on. <laughs> yes, because it says, I hear you. What yes and really says is, I hear you, I see you, and I'm going to add on to it. And the mistake that we make is we think, if I yes and somebody, I have to do it. You do not. We might come up with some crazy ass ideas, you and me, John, together. We would have a lot of fun, but maybe only, I don't know, 20% or less are viable. But that's not the point. The point is by yes and in each other, we came up with... 20% viable ideas that we never would have had otherwise. That's the point. And we take the ones, we vet those, and then we move forward on those. So you don't have to, you don't have to literally do every idea, but yes, and is such a powerful way to say, I see you, I hear you, and I add on to your genius. And that's how we build together. And I think that's a good, um, you know, in, in the storytelling context, at least in the documentary storytelling context, when you're interviewing mm -hmm. somebody, that's such a great way to get yeah. more like deeper responses yep. of them then yep. saying they they finish their they finish their um sentence mm -hmm. and then pay next question 
that kind of just shuts down the conversation. But if you say, yeah, and I bet, I bet you felt this, or I bet, I bet, you know, like this was going on in your mind Yeah. that I've seen so many people just melt right there. Yep. Oh, somebody gets me. And now, now I'm going to give you more, you know, raw, you know, vulnerability yeah. here. For sure. That's exactly right. And when you say yes, and to somebody, they feel heard and they open up. Um, and when you yes, but people, it's like, I'm going to shut down because you know what I mean? Want, want. You're saying you, you hear my ideas, but you're just saying, but, 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 but. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so number four, make your partner look good. How, mm-hmm. how, how, yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, make your partner look good as an extension. It's really an offshoot of yes. And because when I yes, and you, I'm like, John, your idea is slamming yours. Okay. That's a slapping idea uh, versus yes, but yes, but. And all of a sudden I'm building on something you said, and I'm seeing magic in what you said. I'm seeing possibility. And on an improv stage, it doesn't matter how crazy, how weird it is. That's what audiences love is that we're able to create this world. And the reason we're able to keep the story moving is because of that. And somebody might have a crazy idea, but in real life, you know, too many of us are yes, budding that, but what if we just made our partner look good? I mean, what if, you know, I was in a scene um, with somebody one time and they were like a, they were like the, um, the mat, the crazy genius sales guy. And he would just come in and he would lick objects, uh, lick objects all over. And I was like, you know what? Bob licks all the objects. Sure. He's going to get a, a, some horrible disease and probably die from it. But here's the thing. He brings in more revenue than anybody else combined. So you know what we're going to do before every sales meeting, everybody, we're all going to lick those objects, <laughs> follow Bob's lead. And we had this amazing scene that the audience was rolling in hysterics in. But the only reason we could get there, John, is because instead of what we normally do, why you do that, Bob? That's dumb. Why did you? And, 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 and crap on somebody. We elevated Bob's ideas and it was like, if, if it's good enough for crazy genius sales guy, Bob, we're all going to do it. Let's celebrate that. And what if we did that in real life and made each other's ideas look amazing? And that's the heart and soul of improv thinking. And one of the reasons I love it so much. And is that, and are you thinking about that in a, in a brainstorming sense? Like, like, yeah. so, you know, higher yeah. marketing, this is, this is our audience and you're in a marketing team and, and you're throwing around ideas. Is that kind of like the make your partner look good? Or are you talking about the actual, like somehow, uh, or the, the piece of content that, that you create making that person look good or all of it, all of it. I think it's every one of those contexts. I think the first context is really before we can create that content is being in the brainstorming room and really celebrating somebody's crazy idea. They have all the crazy ideas that people crapped on, but then it was like they were runaway successes. What if we changed our thinking to go, there might be something there. There might be some. So again, you don't have to do the idea, but what if we explored it? And that's what this is. It's making your partner look good is about exploration. That's what it is. And maybe out of that comes this really wonderful piece of content, John, where you celebrate somebody you never would have thought was possible, but that crazy idea came out of this whole making your partner look good. Cool. Love it. Uh, number five is listen. Yeah. Uh, what what yep. you got for us? <laughs> I'm listening. Well, what if every time you said something to me, I cut you off? You can't yes and the person who does that. And one of the biggest lessons I think about improv is really listening for ideas. It's listening to something somebody said and being willing to explore that. Um, 
you what if you said something i don't know just random and what if i talked over you compared to what if i backed it up and i went ooh that's interesting tell me more and I think every day we drop ideas and possibilities because we're really not listening. And most of us um, are in our heads thinking about what we're going to say next. And I'm not judging it. Look, we're all guilty of it. We're human. It's okay. We're all human beings. It's okay. And I thought I could listen well until over two decades ago, I started doing improv and, and stand up. And I it completely shifted the way that I listen. Now I listen for crazy ideas. And I'm like, let's not, let's not pass on that nugget so fast because there there might be something amazing there yeah i love that and i th- I, I was thinking to um uh i, I heard somewhere that the, the creators of of uh everybody loves raymond yeah um that he would say he would say like okay to his whole team he would say i want you to go home and fight with your spouse and come and tell me about it <laughs> you know because it because and and that i love that show because it's yeah. just so it's so funny and it's so true and it's like you only get that by like really listening to I'm the listening. real stuff that's going on in life it, by listening and there's so many amazing ideas all around us every day and how many of those do we miss because we're just in our own heads? And don't feel bad. There's no judgment. We're all human beings. We're all just trying to survive. The last three years have not been easy for everybody. And I think that I, I think we have to have compassion for ourselves. But to the extent that we listen, truly listen to what people say and what they don't say, you know, body language, things like that. I think we open up so many different things. I, I love the idea of listening to people's fights because that'll tell you a lot about them, huh? <laughs> yeah. My favorite episode is this. I don't know if you've seen the show. It's a suitcase episode. Yes! <laughs> and my husband and I have had that thing. And I'm like, okay, that thing's going to stay there till it grows legs and it walks away. <laughs> because principles at stake for me and I will not clean up your suitcase. And I've done that to, to my now 14 year old son who just got back from a trip. And I was like, you know, last, last year he he got back from a trip and he just left his suitcase. And I was like, I am not doing it. I am not doing it. I am not doing it. And every day it sat there and I was like, Mm-mm, it can grow legs and start talking with a moldy beard for all I care. It's the principle, but it's so true, right? Yes. Yeah. And that was such a profound nothing moment. That is everything because it's so relatable. Yeah. yeah a nothing moment is so mm-hmm. true. And I love how Deborah turns around. She's like, all right, Ray, I'll be the one that gets I'll be- it. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. he's like, no, 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 I'm gonna get exactly now. Who's the bigger person? I know, and it's such a <laughs> silly, stupid, funny moment, but it's so small, but it's so powerful and relatable and true. And those are the the nothing moments that are something, because the nothing moments you might dismiss are something moments. You just have to look for those things. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, okay, tell stories is is, is number yeah. six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comedy is storytelling. It's really me being revelatory on a stage and whether it's stand up um, or if it's if it's improv and building a story with other people. And so comedy really is storytelling. I think I think if we can just remember that with marketing there, it's all driven by emotions and it doesn't have to be a perfect story. Just it just has to be a story where something changed and there's emotional resonance and you'd be surprised um you wouldn't be but maybe listeners might be surprised at how little stories of truth and this really great example of the suitcase is one of them a little tiny story that contains big human truth 
can change everything. That's what we remember. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, number seven is let go. Let go. We don't have to be perfect. We're not perfect. Human beings are messy. I'm messy. You're messy because we're human. We're all messy. I think one of the things that scares people about even improv or thinking in humor ways about storytelling, for example, is that we think we have to be perfect. We have to be funny. We don't. Um, the funniest moments are the ones of the deepest human, human truth as we're talking about, because we all relate. I mean, I can think of, you know, 20 different things off the top of my head that we probably all can relate to from parenting to marriage, to like, you know, homeschooling, to working from home, to like <laughs> the suitcase, to the fact that my kids won't shut a door when they go to the bathroom. They'll be talking to me with it. And I'm like, you need to shut that door. I do not, we do not need this, right? There's so many tr everyday truths that make us more human and relatable. And I, I think those are the moments we really have to, we have to focus on and we don't have to be perfect. So let go. But I think people are ashamed to show the world. Maybe they're not perfect, but here's the reality. Guys, we already know nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. We know that. And perfect isn't funny. You know, what's funny, imperfect. So instead of trying to hide those moments, why don't we take those imperfections and laugh and share them? Because that's what's relatable. Those are the moments, the suitcase moments. <laughs> I love the um, progressive commercials that are like, yes. um, you know, trying not to be like your parents. Because uh, I mean, I'm in that sweet spot of, of my life where yes. I'm seeing the crossover of like, the stuff that I always just thought was so dumb. And now I'm like, here I am doing the same thing. Like when I, uh, you know, er earlier on in my, in my, my, my marriage, um, my father-in-law, he, he took me hunting and, you know, we, we'd go hunting with all these, all these college buddies. And I remember this one time I, I, I left the light on in my cabin bedroom and he just like kept getting on me about like leaving a light on in a room that you're not in. And I'm like, okay, you know, Mike, that's like five cents. Okay. Send me the invoice, <laughs> you know? And then, but now like I've got kids and oh my God, like they <laughs> leave so I know. many lights on. I had the, my morning routine is taking the kids to school, coming home, turning off all the lights, turning off all the air conditioning units and things. And uh, it drives me nuts. And I, I just think, it's yeah. That's funny it's, though. Like that's like the that 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 embracing imperfection, embracing the fact that like I I am my own father. I care more about my grass than I ever thought I would. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. It's hilarious. Like I used to, um, my husband used to tease me because my mother, um, who's not with us anymore, but in spirit, she she when she won't she was such a um, you know mom. You know, I'm in the middle of five kids, so food. Like if we go to her house, lots and lots of food and her way of expressing love was, oh, let me, let me, you know, pack this food up. And I was like, mom, I don't need any more. And it was like, don't argue with me. Just take the food. And my husband would be like, we'll be here for two hours arguing. Take the damn food. We, can, we cannot eat it later. He's like, my husband, take the food. And now with my, it's funny with my own kids, with my relatives, I'm like, can I get you a care package? And they're like, no, no. There they are trying to slip out the door before here comes Kathy. She's going like, to on food and just all the stuff that we do and it's like oh my god i have become my mom and just those are funny moments and if i think they happen to all of us and if we talked about this stuff more and really dealt with the reality of everyday life for our customers and just funny moments i think we would be so much better off it would be more honest brands would be more relatable Absolutely. imperfection yeah i love it um and then number eight 
uh, is Embrace for Imperfection, which is kind of running parallel. Just letting go. Yeah, embrace it. Um, I'm so over the whole brands that have to be perfect and present an image with a bow. And I'm like, you ain't fooling nobody. You ain't fooling nobody. Because you know behind there, there's like, you know some, something's going on in, you know, that that room or, you know, the people making the brand. You know somebody's not wearing pants. Like, John has not got the memo that he's got to wear pants back to the office. <laughs> you, I want to see that. I want to see the the humans behind the brand because I think that would do so much more to being relatable. And it's something that, you know, I've been saying for, you know, many, many years and I it's never changed, you know, in all the years that I've worked with brands or, you know, other t- places in the organ in organizations that I work with, it's it's the same stuff. It, it doesn't change, and I think if we lean into these moments, honestly, I think we're all more having more fun. We're better off, and it's amazing how many people, John, you, you probably relate, aren't having fun anymore in their jobs because we've forgotten all these human things. And if we allowed ourselves self compassion and grace to show up that way into it have these moments and and brainstorms and content will be better. Our jobs would be better. And I think we're there. I think we need a revolution in the way we think. And and improv thinking is, I think, a part of how we change things. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is the the idea. And I love this is what I this is what I love. And this is what I think really sets stories apart is specific mm. um, specifics matter. Uh, audiences remember specifics. Um, yes. That, yes. That in your book, and um, that's another thing that they talk about in that. Um, yeah. I think it's called "How to Tell a Story." I can't remember, but the mock story hour one, um, and they they really harp on like it's it, it. You have to bring people down to the to the ground level with specific moments, you otherwise do. you're kind of glossing over. It's not emotionally resonating as well as it could. So, tell me your thoughts on that. Well, you know, the interesting thing is that we have to be careful about which specifics, because if we give too many specifics, we can lose people, as you know. And so it's picking the right specifics that matter. Um, you know, I, I think I tell the story in the book that, um, you know, I didn't I didn't get to study with with Del Close, but there's a friend of mine, an improv instructor I had years ago, uh, knew Mike Meyer and knew Del Close, who everybody knows uh, Del Close of, you know, Chicago improv fame. And, you know, uh, Mike Meyer was doing a scene and he, um, in the scene, he offered somebody a soda and Del Close famously said, um, be more specific. That's generic. And so there's a scene where Mike Meyer said, may I offer you a Delaware punch? <laughs> now that is so specific. It's, it's the difference between, well, let me go park my car versus, well, let me go park my cherry red vintage uh, Corvette, I'll be right back. And, and now all of a sudden we get a sense of who the person is, the character, the specifics. Ooh, they like things just right. They like loud colors. They're, they're bright. They're a big personality. So I think the, the specifics we give can make a big difference in that, but we have to be careful to make sure that it's relevant. Otherwise I think we lose people. So, but picking the right specifics, if your story is about a, a colorful character, make sure that the choices that character makes, for example, are specific and memorable. Yeah, as a video editor, yeah. I think half the battle is removing specifics, but yeah. also finding specifics to <laughs> to to put in there that are that are going to be relevant, that are going to move the story forward. Because there's yep. so much so much of editing in text based editing too. It's just like, what are we taking out? Yep. You know? um, yep. 
really and and i and i really um that's that's one thing i learned from watching comedians is is mm-hmm. i listen to um podcast called nate lands nate Bargetzi's uh, yeah 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 Podcast. I like him. Yeah. yeah he's great. And he talk, and he they often talk, you know, it's it's him and three other comics. And they often talk about like, you know, the mechanics of comedy and, 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 yeah. and delivering a, a bit and things like that. And they talk about like one episode they talked a lot about just the, the importance of tightening that up. And like yeah. you, you you can be funny, but there's a different there's a difference of just being a witty person and being able to deliver a tight performance yes. a tight uh tight message and i think that really applies a lot to um to to marketing at least yeah. in my world of video it's it's make it tighter make it tighter make it tighter i used to edit yeah. trailers for um netflix uh for for a brief moment and that was one of the things that i learned so much was um that trailer has to be so so tight and i always yeah. thought like i would deliver the first draft i'd be like this is as tight as i can make it <laughs> and uh and they would come back and be like it's got to be tighter it's gotta be tighter. It, it's so true. When we do a setup in standup, that setup, before we get to the punchline, if it meanders, people forget what the setup was. So when we give the punchline, it's like, what, what the hell? I, I forgot. There's too many random things. So we call it squeezing the water out. Um, and, and we got to squeeze the water out of that, that setup. Any extra stuff that doesn't add anything has to go. So by the time you get to, you know, your, your punchline, it, it's really, really tight, you know, and um, yeah, it's exactly right. And it is an art. It is an art and it's a lot of craft. It's a lot of experimentation. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, this has been great. Um, yeah. where, where, can, um, where can people find you at? Well, you can always find me at keepingithuman.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, although I, because I've been traveling back to traveling a lot lately, I am, my DMS um, are a little bit of a nightmare. They're kind of the suitcase on the stairs situation. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it, but uh, LinkedIn is a great place. Uh, Keeping it human is a great place. Um, always down to have conversations. So, um, and you know, all that good stuff. And yes, you can still get the book um, uh, on Amazon. Um, I am, updating the book so i don't have the electronic version available yet because that is being because it's we're working on the next version of it so yeah cool awesome well it is a great book i recommend anyone uh check it out thank you and uh yeah thanks kathy appreciate you being on the on the show Thank you. Thanks for having me, John. Thank you so much for listening. Three things I want to give you before you go. Uh, Number one, reminder to go to pricing.unveiled.tv if you are interested in our subscriptions and download our pricing guide. Uh, Number two, if you want to take the storytelling you're already doing to the next level or you want to incorporate storytelling uh, into your strategy to begin with, uh, I have a free resource for you. It's a three-part framework for creating compelling uh, student and alumni testimonials, and you can get that at unveiled.tv slash student testimonials, and it doesn't even have to be for video. You can put the framework to use in any format in which you tell student outcome stories. And number three, leave a review for this podcast. It helps us out a ton. Thanks for listening. My name is John Azoni. Go connect with me on LinkedIn. Email me at john at unveiled.tv. And in the meantime, we'll catch you on the next episode of the Higher Ed Storytelling University Podcast. Thanks.